0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Good evening, everybody, whoever everybody happens to be. Uh, this is Dr. Simon, and tonight um, I'm going to share the show or give the show over to Dr. James Morrison, uh, who has, uh, if you any of you have been listening, you know that he has uh, sort of been a uh, participant and a backdrop uh, uh, to the show uh, for a number of weeks. Uh, and certainly made it interesting and and, uh, happy for me to have somebody to be able to have a dialogue with at the level that uh, I can have one uh, with Dr. Morrison. Um, We're going to talk tonight about the DSM, and we really haven't uh, discussed yet whether it will be the four or the five, Uh, four being Roman numeral four and the new one being uh, number five. Uh, but we'll get to that. Let me just introduce Dr. Morrison. Uh, he is a psychiatrist uh, who has worked uh, in a variety of venues during his professional lifetime. Uh, he's taught at medical schools of five universities. Uh, he's, in addition, pursued a private practice for a dozen years. He's been a consultant to crisis residence facilities in San Diego and worked the VA in the VA at San Diego and Martinez, California and in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. His four years at Coatesville was spent serving as chief of staff of the VA Medical Center. He then retired, sort of, and um, moved to Portland, where he is currently affiliate professor of psychiatry at Oregon Health and uh, Science University. Um, He uh, has six books currently in print uh DSM-4 made easy the first interview diagnosis made easier interviewing children and adolescents when psychological problems mask medical disorders uh boarding time and several of these have been translated into other languages good evening to you James or Jim how are you
0: i'm uh i'm reasonably well thank you uh larry it's uh, it's wonderful to talk with you and uh i uh, i hope that at some point there will be uh, other people listening um <clears throat> what what i thought uh uh we were going to do and what i've prepared for is maybe slightly different than just talking about the uh, the diagnostic and statistical manual and uh what what i would what i was thinking about is uh the use of the medical model in um in describing psychiatric disorder and uh my uh be, before i start with that uh and and by the way as we go along i i, uh, I i'll be uh my intention is to bring uh the dsm and our understanding of uh, psychiatric diagnosis uh, uh, through <clears throat> uh, uh, the, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, whether it's four or five, uh, into the conversation also. So I think it'll okay. it'll all tie together pretty well. What I what I wanted to do first of all though was to establish in my mind uh, what the problems are in the minds of some clinicians. With the use of the term medical model, and as I understand it, uh, there are a couple of uh, possible uh, issues. One is that it it uh, might imply that uh, any <clears throat> anything diagnosed by the medical model would mean that we would have to treat the patient with medications or other physical uh-huh. Types of of treatments, and and the other is something that you and I talked about someplace in Italy, I think. Uh, yes, it was before was a
1: really the, good lunch with a lot of good wine. Yeah,
0: I'm sure it was uh, because we sure had a great time. Uh, uh, but it, it had to do with the uh, with the fact that. Um, uh, uh, that there isn't any uh, for, for most psychiatric, psychiatric illnesses, there is not a uh, a, a pathological an, an anatomical or physiological defect right. that can be identified and uh, uh, but beyond those two complaints, are there others that i've missed?
1: all <laughs> right, let, let me tell you the issue of uh, treating with uh, drugs or not is to me a much secondary issue. Uh-huh. Okay, it's a secondary issue. I, I, to right, me, it right. doesn't imply, uh, because I understand that um, there are thousands of psychologists and probably even more social workers who are licensed to treat The diagnostic most of the diagnostic categories with psychotherapy or some other form that has nothing at all to do with drugs, right? Uh Although that the first part of it is really the issue that there's something pathological. Now I don't know if you saw uh, sixty minutes this Sunday.
0: I did not. Okay, did I? I I might have done. I'm not. All
1: right. Sixty minutes was talking about did a show. On the number of uh, 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 mass killers who were schizophrenic, and they I, had I, I uh, E. What's it? Tory Fuller or Fuller Tory? I never remember his name. Fuller
0: Tory. E. Fuller I think.
1: Uh, who I always refer to as full no, of it's shit. No, Tory
0: Fuller. <laughs> Tory Fuller.
1: Well, wherever he is, he's still full of it. And anyway, he got on the show, and they said, he said, there's no question that schizophrenia is a brain disorder. And for about 15 seconds, he showed a, a series of shifting images of some kind of a brain scan. And he said, you can even watch the brain deteriorate of the schizophrenic over time. And there were no questions raised about that, like, what were we looking at? Um, were these individuals diagnosed as schizophrenic and then on psychiatric drugs for 15 or 20 years? Or what these people, because they were lamenting, he was lamenting the fact especially that these people had been uh, thrown out of uh, uh, the warehouses. Now, that was the term that the interviewer used, that they were warehoused and then they ended the warehousing and put them out on the street Uh Were these people who then were drugged, were they suffering malnutrition? What were we looking at? Nothing was raised. It was that psychiatric disorders, this case schizophrenia, but I've heard this over and over and over, are no question they are brain diseases. How how do you answer that? What what do
0: you say about that? Well, what, what I have to say about it is this, that he may very well be correct that uh that uh many or most at any rate um uh instances of what we call schizophrenia are <clears throat> in some way linked to a whether it's a an anatomic or a physiological or biochemical uh defect in the in the brain and uh, which is in turn uh, referable to some kind of a, of a genetic diathesis. Uh, okay. I, I think that he may very well be right uh, in, in the main, although uh, I, it seems to me that at some point or other in our previous discussions that you and I have agreed that that uh, there may be not one, not two, but many different forms of and possibly causes of what we uh, call schizophrenia.
1: Right now, let, let me ask one more question, and then we can go on in any direction you want. If, in fact, that's the case, why would be called a mental disorder and not a neurological disorder?
0: Well, that's a very good question.
1: I um, hate to answer it, a, ask a bad question.
0: <laughs> it's uh, uh, actually, uh, if you go back to the nineteen 19- uh 1900s 1910s 1920s <clears throat> there was an incredible rivalry uh in american medicine between the neurologists and the psychiatrists <clears throat> and uh i uh eventually the the psychiatrists won out um probably bec- uh, at, at least in part because uh, there were so many more of them than there were neurologists but uh uh, uh going back about a hundred years at any rate uh the the territory of the of the brain and the nervous system were sort of divvied up so that uh, what we now term now call psychiatric or mental disorders uh the sorts of things that involved difficulties with uh, our emotions or or with um, uh, the content of thought the form of thought formal thought disorders uh uh and that sort of thing was uh taken over by uh the psychiatrists and um uh disorders that uh had a demonstrable uh where, where you could demonstrate a lesion like a brain tumor or uh a sectioning of uh of the spinal cord tract and that sort of thing uh that was the kind of condition that were that that was uh, uh, addressed by neurologists and uh even today, I think there's probably some cross cutting back and forth um, some there are some neurologists who will consult on or um, uh uh, uh try to treat certain uh, quotes psychiatric disorders, and there are some uh, disorders that uh, kind of lie uh, in between. I'm thinking about uh, autism, for instance uh, and, and you could probably name several other uh, uh, conditions that are sort of uh, sort of fringy between the two uh, medical realms. okay uh so so um that's uh, that's about as good an answer as you're likely to get out of me at any rate on a relatively short notice uh, well how would then that?
1: see you see this is what what, what 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 perplexes me uh because the next question I ask if i if when i ask i want to make a statement then i i want to let you define what you see <coughs> as the medical sure. model, not me um how then did so many of us without medical training become fully licensed to treat virtually the entire realm of psychiatric diagnoses uh without medical training
0: well um the uh i guess the <clears throat> the, the short answer that uh that i can come up with to that is that um uh back if we go back 50 years uh the kind of of treatment that was uh, available that was effective for uh many or most uh i won't say all but uh certainly the the majority of of uh, psychiatric conditions uh really uh th- th- there wasn't anything that was very specific uh If if you go back 50 or 60 years, uh, the treatment for just about anything was psychotherapy of one sort or another. And that's the sort of thing that uh, psychologists, uh, I mean, that's their realm. That's the sort of thing that they do very well and that they should be uh, able to do for um, uh, uh, even today for some uh, uh for uh, quite a, a a large number of psychiatric disorders um the uh, i'll give you a chance to respond in just a second but i, I do want to say that that the uh, the issue of of who should treat or what kind of treatment <coughs> uh we should be talking about isn't really what uh what uh, interests me particularly in this uh, this whole issue of the of the medical model, because for me the the medical model doesn't have so much to do with treatment as it does with a particular way of of going up about uh, ascertaining what uh, 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 what the patient's uh, condition is uh, and what. Uh can best be done about it it's a way of if you will seeking truth
1: okay um so tell me what your view of the medical model is then, since I okay. keep seeing it promoted and i i you know you're one of the more sophisticated thinkers on this that i've spoken to uh many many of the psychiatrists that i've done, and you know what you say 50, go back fifty years, what scares me. Is that my career really does start fifty years
0: ago? Yeah, well, um, uh, after that, that, I said fifty, I tell 50 you, years,
1: it sort of blows I, my I, mind.
0: I, no, I, I know I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. In fact, when I said fifty years, I thought, "Uh oh, I should have said seventy years," uh, <laughs> because uh, because uh, that was really the. Uh, Fifty years ago, I was, uh, let's see, I was still in medical school, but I was just about ready to graduate from medical school.
1: Yeah, I was in graduate school. I started seeing my first patients at NYU, uh, let's say 1965. You know, I was a student
0: uh, therapist.
1: I I was under supervision there. That was the year
0: that I graduated from from medical school and began my internships.
1: Right, right. it's it's, It's so strange for me to talk about 50 years ago as if it's a long time. When it's really, you know, a blink of the eye in our own lives. So, if, if in fact uh, the issue of treatment is not the issue specifically, then where do you see the value, and what does it mean to you to talk about a a medical model?
0: Well, the uh, to me the and I think to a lot of other clinicians of. Uh, uh of my persuasion and, and of my approximate age uh the medical model as i said really is a, uh, a, a way of of ascertaining um, uh where uh, how we ought to view a particular patient and that patient's uh management and uh and once i've been through it uh, I, I i suspect that you're going to say, oh, that. Uh, but, I mean, but everybody knows that. And uh, But uh, say it anyway, I'm,
1: Chris. Most of the people who are listening to the show or will listen to the show, um, I think really need to hear what you have to say.
0: Well, what, uh, what I'm getting at is, and uh, maybe what I can do is uh, to start out, uh, you know, one of the things I really like about your show is the, is the uh the aspect of storytelling. And so let me let me uh uh repeat a story uh because it's a story that I think that I related to you uh, uh somewhere in northern Italy. Uh but I'm going to I'll, I'll refresh your mind about it.
1: You better because my about... brain has been washed clean since then. Okay right?
0: well, in that case if it's tabular rasa. And wine. Here, here goes again. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> It's a story about uh, when I was uh, 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 quite a callow medical student still, and I uh, I went to school in St. Louis, and uh, one summer uh, I had driven a car uh, for pay back to the East Coast and ended up dumping it in New York. And I happened to have a classmate who was a a pretty good friend who lived on Long Island. And so I went to... uh, to visit with him and uh he his parents both worked at a state mental hospital there on Long Island and uh <clears throat> we we wandered onto the campus to see uh what it was like uh, he, he he was he was not a uh a burgeoning psychiatrist but I was so I was very interested and uh, uh we fell uh, fell into conversation with an an older much older uh, psychiatrist uh who worked there at the uh at the hospital and uh he told us about his latest and most interesting patient now this is a patient i never personally saw but uh, uh-huh. the story has really stuck with me uh all these years she was a, a young woman who had been admitted a few days earlier uh, while attending college nearby, she had uh, become rather suddenly quite agitated. Uh, she spoke rapidly and she uh, rushed in a frenzy from one activity to another. And uh, after she impulsively sold her, her uh, uh, I think she had, it was a Corvette that she had, nearly new Corvette. And she sold it for $500. And after that, her friends brought her for a valuation. And I, I can remember the psychiatrist's exact words to this day. He said, $500. He said, that kind of thinking, that's schizophrenia. Now, my my friend and I had had just enough psychiatric training to recognize that uh, that young woman's symptoms and the course of her illness were far more consistent with something other than schizophrenia of course it sounds a lot like bipolar disorder but uh we were too young and uh as i say too callow to challenge the diagnosis of this experience and back then it would have been
1: called bipolar it would have been called
0: manic depressive no it was not it would have no, it was manic depressive illness manic phase would yeah. would have been the 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 terminology bipolar didn't come in until a few years later uh, but in any event Uh, as we went on our way, we each expressed the fervent hope that her care uh, would be less flawed than her assessment because almost certainly uh, this uh, psychiatrist uh, was making a wrong diagnosis. And what was wrong with his assessment, uh, of course, was that it, it basically rested on a single symptom rather than a collection of symptoms or what we would call a syndrome. Um, uh, can, the, I, uh, can I ask? You, just that... let me just
1: interrupt one yes. second. You use the word symptom, and I would simply say it's based on a single behavior. Okay. What's the difference? Sure.
0: Well, uh, a, a uh, 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 it's a good question. Uh, a uh, symptoms uh, can uh, uh, will divide the things that are quotes wrong with a patient into two classes. One is signs and one are symptoms. And symptoms, they can be behaviors or they can be thoughts uh, uh, which are, of course, expressed verbally or in writing, uh, expressed in some way, in some kind of a behavior, It may be speech behavior uh, because we don't read minds all that well. Uh, so, uh, uh but the, the a symptom is something that is brought to the clinician uh that uh of which the uh the patient uh, uh or somebody else complains of so a symptom would be uh frenetic behavior or a symptom would be the poor judgment to sell a car for far less than its worth or right. it would be So what would be important push-
1: here for me would be the motive and for you you would place the motive as some form of illness creating a symptom if if I'm seeing it right from your point yeah right exactly okay and,
0: and then just to, just to complete the thought a uh, a sign is something that the clinician observes uh, but is not necessarily complained of, so that uh-huh. uh if if I ask a patient, "Are you hearing voices?" and the patient says no, but every few minutes the patient suddenly jerks his head to the side and and, and looks startled, or 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 maybe giggles, and there's nothing to giggle at. Uh, it's the the sign of looking startled and, and looking around is uh, a, 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 an indication that, in point of fact, uh, this patient may be responding to something that uh, only he can perceive such as auditory hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in any event, uh to get back to my patient, uh the 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 problem with the assessment that this uh clinician made was that it uh it rested on the clinician's understanding uh uh of what uh a particular mental disorder was like. it was uh, more or less a seat of the pants diagnosis uh, based upon uh, well, and more more or less an intuitive appreciation uh, for uh, uh, what a patient with schizophrenia ought to uh, be like, uh, rather than a more systematic approach that is based upon the medical model that I'm going to describe just a bit more right now. Okay. The, uh, Please do that. The, the way that the medical model works uh, is, and, and this was, by the way, something that uh, that uh, uh, in imitation of... Uh, Another senior Emil moment. Uh, yeah, I, well, I have them all the time. They're becoming confluent, is the problem. Uh, the uh, Emil Krapfelin, of course, who was a great name in the uh, late part of the 19th century, the early part of the uh, 20th century, uh, 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 made observations of many, many patients, and from that uh, drew inferences uh, that allowed him to divide uh bipolar illness from schizophrenia or uh, what you call dementia precox uh and uh where I went to school <clears throat> in, in to medical school and my residency the uh, uh my professors uh uh were uh, very much into this mode of gathering together a a group as as many patients as they could find who appeared to be very similar so, these might be uh, for instance, uh, just to take a very simple example, uh, a group of uh let's say twenty patients who had uh push of speech, flight of ideas were euphoric and uh were uh, it, it did, did not need very much sleep, they were very, very energetic and uh-huh. then uh, another group of twenty patients. And, again, I'm, I'm really simplifying this, but 20 patients who uh, did not have any of those characteristics but instead uh, were uh, uh, had auditory hallucinations uh, of relatively flat affect and uh, who uh, believed that uh, the FBI or the CIA or the Nazis or whoever else were uh, plotting against them in some way so mm-hmm. two uh groups of patients who are uh distinguished by having a, a similar group of symptoms and then uh what my professors did in in many 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 research uh papers uh <clears throat> for many different types of uh, psychiatric disorder what they did was to uh follow these people up uh 5 years seven years, ten years uh, down the road uh, uh-huh. to see what happened to them. The idea being that a, uh, a diagnosis ought to allow you to predict a, a course, uh, make, make several different predictions for a patient. Very good. It ought to allow you to predict the course of the patient's illness. It ought to allow... Uh, allow you to predict whether the patient was going to recover completely or not, uh, what kind of treatment the patient might respond to. Uh, it, it would allow you to predict uh, whether uh, uh, the patient's relatives would have similar types of illness and so forth. And uh, when uh, patients are separated into uh, groups uh, that phenomenologically that is the way they appear is uh uh, uh, uh in, in into uh, uh coherent cohesive groups uh by by the phenomena of their illness and then followed up uh in point of fact uh the group a the ones who were hyperactive and bubbly uh were found to uh, uh, recover completely, uh, they might have further episodes of illness. They might become, well, these are, of course, the manic patients. They might become manic again, or they might have episodes of depression in the future. But they would would likely make full recoveries in between episodes, whereas the Group B patients, those with uh, the uh, delusions and hallucinations and flat affect, Would tend not to make a complete recovery. uh, Would intend, in fact, to go on to have a chronic illness rather than an episodic one, and uh, that's of. of, uh, And this is this is a story that's familiar to you and uh, familiar to probably to most uh, uh, other clinicians who might be listening in. Um, uh, In any event, it was that kind of. Of um, uh, research uh, that uh, allowed uh, the, the uh, separation out of a number of different types of mental illness, and it is this uh, way of identifying patients and following them up that I call the medical model. Of right. Can I can I, I
1: can I interrupt? Practice. I want to ask a question because this, to me, is is important. Did anybody ask her why she sold the car for $500? Because what I'm hearing, and this, again, Mm -hmm. is my objection to what I understand in terms of, uh, of a medical model, she did something that the doctor said, in his point of view, was irrational, And on the face of it, it's certainly irrational to take a a, uh, really good, uh, brand-new Corvette and sell it for $500. It then becomes explained to him by the diagnosis. For you, it's not explained by that diagnosis because you thought the diagnosis was premature and required a much broader set of questions. One of the questions that gets avoided for me as a psychologist is Mm -hmm. what was her motive for doing it other than coming to a diagnostic term to explain it? And what was the context in which this took place? And I want to give you an example, just an example from my own life. Uh, I worked in uh, Flushing Hospital uh, Mental Health Clinic for almost 25 years. It was on and off, but it it lasted 25 years. Uh, And if you were there on Friday, you were on call in case there was an emergency. And I was on call that day. And a young woman came in, in in agitation, um, uh, uh, depression, severe anxiety. And I sat down with her and I started to talk to her. And she tells me a story that she has no money. Her husband had walked out on her. She actually left two little children at home. She doesn't know what to do. She's frantic. She has no money to buy milk over the weekend. But by Monday or Tuesday, she'll get her welfare check, and she'll be able to buy some food for the children and herself. And I said to her, here's Would this be enough to get you through the weekend? And she stared at me. Now, she had come into the clinic, and she'd made a fuss. She came in out of total desperation. The diagnosis started afterwards. She's a drug addict, and you pissed away $20, she's going to go out and buy drugs. She's clearly a hysteric. She's clearly depressed and in a manic phase. And everybody, it was like this massive discussion. The end of the story, and this is one of my favorite stories because of how it ended. The following Tuesday, she came in, handed me $20, said, God bless you. You can't tell what you've done for me, and
0: left. Right, right. Well, of, I mean, of course the story ended that way. <laughs> it, it, so well, why, why it, did
1: she sell the car? what okay. was her motive and what was the context
0: let me let, let me uh, go back to your story for a second first because uh, your your story is is one that illustrates something that uh that i feel very strongly about and that is the importance of uh, not just being able to differentiate uh Uh, Manic depressive illness from schizophrenia or hysteria from uh, uh, From uh, neurasthenia or something of that sort, but the ability uh, That that we must cultivate as clinicians of being able to discriminate any of these conditions from somebody who is normal and uh, uh, You did that brilliantly with uh, that particular patient and I I only hope that had I been the clinician uh, involved that I would have made, uh, A, as good a diagnosis and, B, would have responded uh, the way that you did, which was the obviously the appropriate thing to do.
1: But how do you know or how did this professor know at the state hospital that this woman wasn't normal? Because... Apparently, from the story you're telling, and I don't know what the whole story. Obviously, the context and the motive right. are missing. And I don't, from her uh, behavior, and, and I, uh,
0: of course. <laughs> and uh, uh, what you're saying is is true, and it's important uh, that uh, you do need uh, uh, context and motive. Uh, and uh, and I candidly, I don't have a lot of information about that particular patient whom I only uh, knew through a uh, five- or ten-minute conversation with somebody Okay, else, now let
1: me ask the next hard and, question. And, and, never,
0: and, and never examined myself, but and I'll, 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 uh, I'll let Is you Is it
1: possible, Jim, that if we went deeply into the context and motive of everybody who's ever been diagnosed psychiatrically Except for somebody who really does have a neurological problem, a tumor, a biochemical upset, we would end up explaining the behavior without the diagnosis. Well
0: I'm, I'm See this still this is where I always sit.
1: If I ask those questions, go back into the history of the patient, family, socioeconomics, the politics of the individual's life. Could I explain all of these behaviors without any use of any kind of medical concept? Unless, of course, there really is a piece, central or peripheral, that is neurological, biochemical, truly medical.
0: Well, I think that uh, uh, the answer that I would have to say, because you say, is it possible? Yes. uh, That, I mean, almost anything is possible. I mean, I'm sitting here with uh, with my um, Apple uh, mini iPad sitting in front of me, and I, I suppose it's possible that all of the uh all of the electrons in uh in the uh, thing could jump in the same direction at the same moment and the thing and it could levitate across the room but uh i i think, so you it's think really my question is at that, 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 that level? that's going to happen i <laughs> uh my <clears throat> to to answer more directly i think that it is highly unlikely Why? that we would be able to explain every uh, every patient, e- even if we had uh, extremely granular no, no, that
1: I agree. Uh. But would the missing pieces necessarily be have to be expressed in medical terms? Could we, <sighs> do we have to call it a symptom? Would we have to call the person a patient? Would we have to do our in, call our intercessions a treatment?
0: Well, I. I, I, I suspect that if I uh, were to shut up for five minutes and let you tell me about this, that you would be able to uh, come up with a different way of explaining. But let me instead uh, answer by saying that uh, uh, it is uh, it is extremely convenient uh, for me as a clinician uh and I think beneficial for uh, patients uh, to e- explain uh, behaviors, uh, some behaviors at any rate, as symptoms, uh, okay. signs, and symptoms, All and right. to use them to use them to uh, assist in making a diagnosis that will be useful to the patient and useful okay. to the clinician.
1: <clears throat> so expand on that.
0: Okay. Well, I, I thought what I would do is, uh, because we're going to, uh, in another, what, 20 minutes, we're going to run out of time here.
1: Well, by the uh, way, I we thought... can extend it, or we can do a second one on this, because I I'm, I don't know if you're enjoying this. I'm having a wonderful time, and uh, I think this is know, absolutely I, I... terrific for anybody who's going to listen to this.
0: Uh, you know, L- Larry, if there's one thing I really enjoy doing, it's talking with you, so... <laughs> uh i think probably uh uh i'm not going to, my voice isn't going to last uh, much longer uh, than okay. another 20 minutes but but uh, let, let me right now let me just uh because i've what i've tried to do is to give a, a, a sort of an overview uh, by, uh a, an explanation of what i mean by uh a uh a, a medical model of diagnosis and I thought what I would do is to tell another story if if that's okay with you. That's okay. absolutely and, okay. <clears throat> I can't remember whether I've whether I told you about this patient or not. Uh and uh but she's one whom I did know uh very, very well a number of years ago. And <clears throat> uh uh I'm gonna call her Gail. Uh and I've written about her in the past. Go ahead. Uh and uh she uh the the first words that she ever said to me uh when I met her were go ahead, cut. That's a direct quote. Go ahead, uh-huh. cut. She was she was lying flat on her back. I remember
1: you did bed. tell me this, yeah.
0: Uh, okay, she was lying flat on her back in a hospital bed. She was staring at the ceiling. Uh her hair was carefully washed and combed. Uh, But her expression was really stiff. She said she wanted to have the lobotomy uh, that she had talked with the other psychiatrist about. The other psychiatrist, somebody uh, whom I also knew very well, who had uh, been taking care of her and uh, had gone on vacation leaving uh, her in my care. And uh, this is a, uh, a lady who... Uh, she, well, she was about 30, 35 years old. She was a divorcee. She had three kids. Uh, and over the course of about five years, she'd had multiple depressive episodes with no manias or hypomanias, just just depressions. And her course of illness had been marked by frequent suicide attempts, many hospitalizations, and uh, multiple attempts of at treatment with She'd had uh, uh, various antidepressant medications. She'd had uh, ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. Uh, During her most recent episode, which had been going on for about five weeks, uh, she complained about being severely depressed throughout nearly every day. Uh, And uh, she would lie awake uh, uh, until the early hours of uh, each morning, unable to sleep, and she Well, she had all of the symptoms of depression that that you read about uh, or experience with your depressed patients. Uh, She lacked pep. She didn't have any interest or appetite, frequent crying spells, distractibility. She couldn't concentrate very well. And uh, uh, each of the antidepressants that she'd been uh, been given would uh, appear to help for a little bit, but then... Uh, they, she would just relapse. And, and uh, while on a brief pass from the hospital, uh, uh, during this, uh, the, the hospitalization during uh, which I met her, she had swallowed a nearly fatal overdose of a sleeping draft. In fact, it was chloral hydrate, <laughs> uh, uh, which people hardly ever prescribe anymore, but uh, she'd gotten. She had gotten a prescription for chloral and had almost killed herself with it. <clears throat> well, um, I uh, I felt uncomfortable. And I can't tell you at this remove, because this was many, many years ago, uh, what it was that made me feel uncomfortable. There was just something not right. And <clears throat> so I, uh, I uh, sat down and Took a whole new history, uh, and I found out that her parents were divorced. Uh, that uh, when she was nine, that she'd been reared by her mom. Since the age of thirteen, she'd been arrested three or four times for uh, taking small items uh, like pantyhose or lipstick or something from department stores. Um, each of these incidents had happened when she was under a particular stress uh usually because of a job or personal relationship going sour or something mm-hmm. um and um, she uh, uh uh she also had a a heck of I'm I'm condensing this a little bit because I just don't want to run out of time but she had a a, a medical history that was a, a a catalog of symptoms i mean she'd had so many different things uh, wrong with her physically, including uh, uh, a urinary retention that caused uh, the doctor to have to pass a catheter so that she could urinate. She had uh, a lump in her throat that seemed about to strangle her. She had complained at one time about chest pains and such severe menstrual cramps that she couldn't get out of bed and she had vomiting spells, chronic diarrhea, heart palpitations, right. mm-hmm. migraine, headaches which a neurologist had said were not typical, and even a brief episode of blindness from which she'd recovered uh, spontaneously. And about the time of uh, her divorce, uh, her husband uh, had confided that she'd been, quotes, frigid and had often complained of having pain when she was having uh, intercourse. Um, uh, In any event, um, uh, with uh, Ultimately she uh she lost her job because of her uh illnesses, uh depression and physical illness. Uh she lost the custody of her kids. Um uh she was uh uh evicted from her apartment and um uh here she was in hospital uh demanding an operation that would permanently sever some of the connections within her brain. All right. Make a a much longer story much shorter because uh, I, I got. That's a great story, though. To,
1: I, I wish it, you'd well, continue it, it, with because it's a good story.
0: Well, it <laughs> is a good story, and it's it, every word of it is true. I believe uh, that I I got permission uh, from her to call her mom, uh, which is where I got some of the history about what she was like when she was a kid. Uh, but. Uh, here's the way that I sized her up she had more than enough mood symptoms uh, to qualify her current depression as a major depressive episode right Um, she didn't abuse substances but she'd had my goodness all of these physical complaints and it occurred to me that this is a person who might have an underlying somatization disorder and in fact if you go through uh, the the criteria in d s m four for somatization disorder, you find that uh, this lady easily met the criteria for somatization disorder, and uh, that uh, brings up the whole issue of <clears throat> the uh, of the kinds of uh, psychiatric problems that you might expect to see in a patient with somatization disorder. Not just physical complaints, but also, in, in my experience, these people are uh, prone to take on whatever symptoms uh, their physician is particularly interested in. If you uh-huh. remember, the uh, uh, Charcot back in the late uh, 19th century uh, had uh, hysterics and they were called hysterics back in those days, and uh, epileptics on the same ward. And the uh, the uh, patients with hysteria uh, kind of helped to take care of the uh, epileptics. And by golly, they began to uh, imitate some of the uh, grand mal seizures that the epileptic patients would have. Uh-huh. And and they uh, th- they had. Uh, uh increasingly dramatic grand mal seizures um uh, uh that uh were written about by Charcot and uh, the people who worked with him in that hospital the Salpêtrière in Paris and uh uh it 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 developed uh over a few years into a worldwide um uh, uh, epidemic of grand mal hysteria uh, grand hysterie it was called uh-huh. and uh, with many many patients the world over having similar symptoms and then I forget it was in the, sometime in the 1890s um, Charcot died and the whole thing collapsed uh, the, the other doctors weren't as interested in uh, grand hysteria and uh, uh, quite Candidly, the uh, the patients perceiving this stopped having the symptoms because they no longer had the, uh, 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 the, the motivation, to use your word, uh, to have these symptoms because their doctors weren't so interested in them. Well, we don't see grand hysteria like this today. I think we're more sophisticated. For one thing, we've got the EEG so we can tell when a person's having a, quote, genuine epileptic seizure. But, uh, we're not so good at identifying when a person is having a quote, genuine uh major depressive episode. And in fact, uh in in uh in my experience and it it's my belief that uh uh there are many patients like Gail out there who uh have uh somatization disorder who fall in with a psychiatrist or maybe a psychologist or a social worker who's really interested in um, um, mood disorders. And by golly, they turn out to have mood disorders uh, because that's, uh, that's the ticket of admission to uh, uh, to the clinician's office, uh, in even into the 21st century.
1: Because that the clinician it, is giving them something that they're not getting em- anywhere else in their life?
0: That's in right. other words, in exactly. order to
1: please you? Didn't Freud call that transference?
0: Uh, that is the uh, that is the transference. Uh, well, uh, that's sort of it, yeah. Um, so but, tell me, because uh, we will run of out that, of
1: time, and, and what will happen is nobody will remember this story if we do none on the show. What happened with Gail?
0: Okay, what happened with her was uh, my, uh, the other psychiatrist uh, happily was on vacation for several weeks, uh, and what I did was to... Uh, uh, gradually withdraw the medication that she was taking. I said, we're not going to uh, do a lobotomy now. Let's try something else. And what I did was to talk with her, to listen to her, and to uh, <clears throat> I, I tried to find something that she was doing and, and doing well. And I, I, at, at this remove, quite frankly, I don't remember what that was, but it was enough that she began to see her relationship with me as something that uh, was valuable to her. And uh, she began to respond in the way that uh, that I expected her to respond. That is, uh, I, uh, when she uh, came to me and said, well, I felt a little bit better today, uh, I was able to say, I'm really pleased with you. I'm really proud of you. You're really doing uh, you're doing some wonderful things. And 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 I would pick on concrete things to praise, such as getting in touch with her ex-husband so that she could talk with her kids again. Uh, and uh, uh, in in other words. Focusing on things in her life that she could actually do something about rather than the physical complaints or the uh, emotional complaints that she couldn't really do much, very much about right and to to make a a very long story much shorter, uh, we were able within several weeks to get her out of the hospital. I continued to see her as an outpatient continued to use i suppose it it would have been some kind of uh c b t uh but that hadn't been invented yet so it was it was a it was a kind of a behavior therapy in which uh she would tell me about what she was doing and I would tell her that i was pleased with her progress and uh And uh, gradually, she began to do things like applying for jobs, and she got a job, and she got an apartment, and she got her kids back. Now,
1: can you imagine, uh, Jim, what would have happened if she wasn't pleasing you for your attempts to make a person out of her, uh and she had remained in the hospital and pleased the other doctor by undergoing a lobotomy?
0: It, It... uh, I, it it's it's pretty sobering, isn't it? And, yeah, but the uh, point you know, see, Ray, I have to
1: go back. I, I you know what? This is so good, such a terrific conversation. Because I have to go back when I said talk about context. The context very often because you're raising, I what I think is a profound point. The context that we always talk about with the patient is the parents, right? What about the context provided by the doctor and the expectations of the doctor as an expert and an authority to shape the effect of what they end up diagnosing?
0: Well, I and and I <clears throat> I think that's enormously important, and in fact, to the point that uh, uh, that in terms of when we're talking about somatization disorder. Uh, <clears throat> I am going to confess to having uh coined a uh, a neologism. It's the only one I've ever coined. <clears throat> unhappily, uh it hasn't ever really caught on. But uh you're aware of the term uh iatrogenic, meaning the physician has caused it. Yeah. Uh my my belief is that uh peop- uh that somatization disorder and similar illnesses are uh similar conditions uh, I'll, I'll call them that are iatroplastic. that is they're not caused by the clinician but they're sh- the, the form that they take are uh, is shaped by yeah. the clinician etroplastic and uh it it it's something that uh I think that we have uh, lost sight of in DSM-5. I don't, I don't think we have time to discuss it. Uh, Can we do uh, another show on Tonight, this? but but I would... Not tonight. Uh, at, at some point, sure, I'd love to. But I, I, I do want to kind of wind up here with the, uh, by making this point, and that is that it was the medical model of diagnosis that allowed this patient, Gail, to be diagnosed in such a way that her life really got turned around. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying this because I want to pat myself on the back. You should be patted on the that, back. You saved a life. I think that lots of, lots of clinicians do do it. Uh, lots more could do it. But they have to be aware of of the uh, this kind of patient. They have to be aware of... Uh, the fact that not every major depressive episode is uh, uh, is approached appropriately with medications or shock treatments or, God help us, lobotomies.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, the lobotomies, I don't think... Well, they're actually doing lobotomies, again, cryogenically, if I understand that.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the... <laughs> what the exact method is uh mm-hmm. and they they do do them occasionally uh uh, uh especially for people who have uh, had extraordinarily awful obsessive compulsive disorder um but um uh this is not something that I can talk about knowledgeably uh, so I'm not going to say anything more yeah. about it okay but i, well, I we're going to have to bring this to a close right
1: um I think you have to go goggle and take a um hot cup of tea with lemon and honey in it. I,
0: thank you, doctor. <laughs> uh,
1: that's that's my uh diagnosis and my treatment. Um, just, or maybe a good shot right. of something 90 proof cuz uh, that also does an awful lot to ease the congestion, right? Uh, if if uh only temporarily. And I can't thank you enough for Coming on and doing the show with me
0: uh can i just uh, uh say one more um uh a little uh advertisement for myself and that is please that, um this uh that this um uh, story about medical models and such i uh, i'm putting on my website i have a website now uh, give, which put, is, give us the address it's uh james morrison m um, d dot org
1: James Morrison, MD. There are no periods, no caps.
0: That's right. Uh, caps okay. don't Straight matter, through. but uh, no periods. James MD. dot org.
1: Okay. I hope I hope a million people give you a hit.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: But then again, I hope a million people give my show a hit.
0: I hope so too.
1: Uh, feel better. Okay. And you and I can't say we're finished on this. We have to have more of a discussion.
0: I I would look forward to it.
1: Okay. Uh, And say hello to Mary for me.
0: I will do that.
1: Take care and good night.
0: Lovely talking with you. Bye-bye, Larry. Bye.
1: Um, I don't know if anybody else is listening. I'm going to keep the phone line open for a while. If anybody would like to call in and make comments. Anybody want to ask questions? I mean, this stuff is gold and easily mined. Any questions for Jim? Any questions for me? Any comments? All right. I'm going to end the show now. Good night.